up, you stupid bastard! You've got no arms left! I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Alive! It's alive! It's alive! By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we are celebrating our 200th episode. I know, can you believe that? 200 episodes of Storytime with Gamer Dude. I actually don't have a lot planned for this episode because what I actually had planned for today was a return to some of my Halloween stories from the past. The past few years, we've gone to the Halloween room. You remember the Halloween room? Everybody's got to have a Halloween room, right? So the past couple of years, I've gone back to the Halloween room with stories about Halloween, stories about how trick-or-treating was so important to us. I've talked about costumes in the past, and a couple of years back, I did the best and worst of Halloween candy. And this is Halloween week, so by the time you hear this, Halloween will only be a couple of days away. So we are, of course, going to pay tribute to Halloween. I'm actually going to replay my top 10 best and worst Halloween candies. That'll be at the end of the episode. But I couldn't let the 200th episode go by without saying a few words about 200 episodes of Storytime. We're in Season 4 of Storytime. This is the tail end of Season 4. And, doing basic math, we've pretty much done an episode every week for almost four years. That's how we get to 200. And every week I've looked forward to doing Storytime because I get to share my stories. I get to talk about things that are important to me. I also get to talk about things that I think might be important, or at least interesting, to you. I also get to preserve some of the stories of things that I remember when I was a kid. I get to talk about things that existed when I was a kid that don't exist anymore. I get to tell you about the way the world used to be. I get to tell you about how things have evolved in my lifetime. I've been around for a while now. I've seen a lot of change. That's what happens when you get older. You see a lot of change. And really, that's what I've tried to do with Storytime. I've tried to record my history for you and for me, for my friends, for my family for anybody who might be interested in it. Now, the story about story time is this, and I've talked about this a little bit in various episodes throughout the years. This was always supposed to be something along the lines of sitting down with your father or your grandfather or your mother or your grandmother and listening to them tell the stories about the way it used to be when they were kids. Now, that's something that I didn't do very much of when I was a kid or when I was in my 20s or in my 30s. But looking back, it's something that I wish that I had done. I wish that I had taken the time to sit down with my father and just have a conversation. Dad, what was it like when you were in school? And not just have the conversation, but listen to the answers. If I had the chance, I would listen to the answers and understand them so that I would understand the kind of guy he was and why he became the way he did. And I don't mean that the way it sounds. (laughs) What happened to you, Dad? That's not the way I mean it. But we are all a product of our upbringing and of our experiences, both at home and in school, in our social lives, in our work lives. Everything we are today is the result of what happened over the course of our lifetime. And so I would have liked the opportunity, and if I'd been smart enough, I would have taken the opportunity to sit down with my dad and have those conversations and try to understand and process not only the way he was and why he was the way he was, but what the world was like when he was younger. Because that, too, also explains some of the world we're in today, and that also explains how I wound up the way I am. And yes, you can take that any way you want. Well, that explains a lot, gamer dude. 
I've always been fascinated with history. I like to know where my family came from. Don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those, let me check out the family tree and see what everybody was like and where they came from and who is related to who. I don't care about that so much. The two-dimensional family tree thing, that never really appealed to me. Oh, I can see that uh, Uncle Remus and Aunt Hazel got married in 1794, and they had 12 kids, and then they had 20 kids. I I don't care about that. Some people do. That's important to some people. I'm more interested in the stories. That's one of the reasons I always liked listening to my dad's stories, because the stories are what make the people. The bloodlines don't matter. What branch connects to what branch, that doesn't matter to me. What matters is, what were the stories? What were the experiences? What did you see? What did you do? What did it smell like? What did it look like? If I look at a family tree, I can see, oh, my dad married my mom. But I don't know what it was like on their first date. I don't know where they went on their first date. To this day, I don't know where they went on their first date, and that's a question I would have asked. Like for Mrs. Gamer Dude and me, our first official date was at a TGI Friday's. We had dinner and then went to a movie. Now, my kids will know that, and you'll know that. Will that matter to you? Maybe. Maybe it'll be interesting to you. Maybe it won't, but it's preserved. Now you'll know. I don't know where my dad and my mom went. I seem to recall some talk about them going on a blind date together. As it turns out, one of the girls my dad was interested in set him up with my mom for a blind date. I don't know this to be true, but I suspect it's probably because she wanted to get rid of my dad. I think that might have something to do with it. I'm just guessing. I probably should have asked him that at one point. But I think that was their first date, but I don't know where it was. I don't know what they did. I may have known that at one point in time. Maybe that came up in conversation somewhere along the line, but I don't remember it. And I know nothing about my grandparents. I don't know when they met. I don't know where they met. I don't know how long they dated. I don't know what they liked to do. I don't know where they liked to go. I don't know what their thoughts were about anything. Now, I never really had the opportunity to talk to any of my grandparents about what their childhoods were like. Both of my grandfathers died when I was very young. My grandmothers were around a little longer, but I never had the chance to talk to them. Let me rephrase that. I never cared to talk to them. I had plenty of chances. I just didn't take advantage of it. So I don't know what their first dates were like. I don't know what their love lives were like. Not that I was going to get into that. But I don't know what a cool first date was for my grandmother. I don't know how they spent their time when they would spend time together. Because I know it's hard to believe, but our grandparents were once our age. Our grandparents were once teenagers. They did teenage stuff. But what was teenage stuff back when they were teenagers? I don't know. I mean, my grandmother was raised on a farm. Did she go cow tipping? I don't know. What were farm activities for teenagers back when my grandmother was a teenager? I don't know. My grandfather, on my dad's side this is, my grandfather, I think, was raised in the city... But I don't know what teenage stuff was in New York City back when my grandfather was a teenager. But I don't know for sure that he was raised in New York City. I just am guessing. So I'm going off on that tangent about my grandparents to come back to why I'm doing story time. Story time is those stories that I wish that I had asked my parents and my grandparents about. Obviously not for them, but for anybody who comes after me who's interested, whether it's friends or family. I absolutely hope that my kids listen to these episodes. One day when I'm no longer here, whether I get hit by a bus tomorrow or last for another 50 years, one day I hope my kids listen to these episodes and go, Oh, so that explains why Dad was the way he was. But the other thing that I've discovered about the podcast is a lot of people are listening to it now, who are my age and younger, who aren't related to me. But they're interested in the things that I have to say because of what I talk about. People like to hear what life was like 
growing up in the 70s, growing up in the 80s. People don't realize how much life has changed in the past 30, 40, 50 years. And so I'm trying to give everybody the view from a regular Joe who lived this stuff and just experienced it on a day-to-day basis and can explain to you how it's different now and why it's different now. I also love the opportunity to reminisce about the stuff that used to be. It's a fact of being an old dude that you sit down and you remember, oh yeah, that was cool way back when. You think about the things that you used to do, the places that you used to go. When you sit down in your living room and watch a full-length new release movie on your television, you can't help but think back to the time when that was not a possibility. If you wanted to see a movie, you went to a movie theater, that was it. That was your only option. And if you missed it in a theater, oh well. You had to hope that someday, maybe, it might come to TV, but maybe not. And I love using story time to tell you what life was like when you had all of these things that were so, so different. The time before the internet. The time before texting. The time when getting a postcard from a guy on vacation meant something. The time when if your car broke down, you were screwed if you were miles away from a telephone. Because you didn't have a telephone with you. There was no telephone that you could take with you. On some highways, you might be lucky enough to have a payphone or an emergency phone every mile or so. But imagine this, breaking down on the interstate and having to walk a mile to the next payphone so that you can call for help. Nowadays, you don't even have to get out of your car. So that's why I do story time. There are so many things that I experienced, that I went through, that I saw. There are so many changes in the world, in attitudes, in people. Yes, people remain the same to a large extent all throughout history, but people change too. And I like to share that change with you, both so you can understand it and appreciate it, and also see that maybe the change in some circumstances is not necessarily a good thing, so we might want to correct course. I'm not going to get bogged down in that. I'll save that for future episodes, and there will be future episodes. Don't get me wrong, we're not stopping at 200. But I wanted to take a few minutes to mark episode 200 because it's significant. 200 is a big number. It's also nice and round and even. 200, look at that. But I wanted to mark the episode, and I wanted to thank you for making it possible to do 200 episodes. Because I want to make it clear, the reason I keep doing story time is because you keep listening. I do get the stats every week. I can see how many episodes have been listened to and how many listeners have been on each episode. And we have a consistent, dependable, good core of listeners. Some episodes attract more attention than others. But it's always interesting to me to see how many of the older episodes get new listens. Because people are discovering this podcast, little by little, all throughout the world. I know, that blows my mind too. At last count, the podcast has been heard in 28 countries. That by itself blows my mind. And with less than 200 episodes, we've had thousands and thousands of new listens. That blows my mind too. So I wanted to mark 200 episodes because it's a big number, because it's a nice round number but also because it shows continued support from you guys over the course of literally four years. And that means the world to me. And I'm also very grateful for the opportunity to tell you my stories, and I'm very grateful that you take the time to listen to them. We've done it through 200 episodes, we're going to keep doing it, and I want to thank you for being a part of them. Okay, now, before we get all mushy and sentimental, I do want to make sure we pay tribute to Halloween this year. We're not officially going into the Halloween room this year. I know, you'll be disappointed. But Mr. Agador has gone into the archive. He has pulled out our 10 worst and our 10 best Halloween candies. And so in honor of Halloween, to commemorate the holiday of candy, because that's what it is to me. I know there's people who like the haunts and the ghosts and the goblins. They like the scares. 
Halloween was never about that for me. It was always about the candy. And it still is. That's why we ordered M&M's this year to give out. Because in case we don't get a lot of trick-or-treaters, I still get my favorite candy. So, without further ado, thank you for 200 episodes. And to honor Halloween, here's my list of the best and the worst of Halloween candy. You can agree or disagree, but whichever way you go, I hope you enjoy it. And don't worry, I'll make sure I put in some appropriate Halloween music as well. We'll start with the worst candy, because we always went through the worst candy first, the stuff you knew you were never going to eat, and I do have my 10 worst candies right here for you. We're going to start with 10, go up to 1. Number 10, the Tootsie Roll. I know, people love the Tootsie Roll, it's very chocolatey, but you know the Tootsie Roll was kind of the throwaway candy? It's like, okay, let's just buy a bag of Tootsie Rolls and throw a couple in each kid's bag. Those parents put no thought into what they were giving to the kids. And Tootsie Rolls are okay, and I would eat them, and I wouldn't trade them away necessarily, but I'd hold on to them and, you know, keep them for a rainy day, sweet tooth. But they weren't a favorite. Number nine is Lifesavers. Back when I was a kid, they had these mini rolls of Lifesavers. They had five flavors in it, all five of the traditional fruit flavors of Lifesavers. They don't even have these packs anymore that I've seen. They usually have peppermint or wintergreen. But when I was a kid, they had these large rolls of Lifesavers, and they would have orange and cherry and lemon and lime all in a roll. And they would double up on them, and you'd have a long roll of about 10 or 12 Lifesavers. For Halloween, they made mini packs, so you would have five Lifesavers. They were so boring. And I didn't like Lifesavers because my aunt always gave us Lifesavers, and that was her little treat to us, and I didn't like them from her either. The only Lifesavers I liked were either the Peppo Mint or the Winto Green, And you never got those for Halloween. You always got the stupid fruit flavors. Number eight is peanut butter kisses. Now, this is a rare candy these days. I don't even know if they do it anymore. But they came in black and orange waxed paper. And peanut butter kisses were chunks of taffy. And the taffy was molasses flavored. I don't know if you've ever had molasses. If you've had a shoe fly pie, for instance, that's molasses. It's a very rich, very earthy kind of flavor. It's not sweet by any stretch of the imagination. When you make shoe fly pie and put sugar in it, it has a nice, rich, warm flavor. But it's not a candy flavor. But somebody had the bright idea to make molasses taffy. And then they would put a dollop of peanut butter in the middle of the taffy. And then wrap it in either orange or black wax paper. They were disgusting. I like molasses. I like molasses now. But when I was a kid, biting into a peanut butter kiss was like biting into a rotten egg. It was like, what the hell is this mess? Oh, I hated the peanut butter kisses. Can't even think about them. Number seven is Mary Jane's, a close cousin to the peanut butter kiss. I don't know if it's the same company that put out the peanut butter kisses, but the Mary Jane is peanut butter and molasses whipped together into one delicious taffy piece. Okay, forget the delicious part. It's peanut butter molasses taffy is what a Mary Jane is. And it's as delicious as it sounds. I never liked Mary Janes. It was the worst. If you got a handful of Mary Janes in your bag, your siblings would look at you sadly. Oh, sucks to be you. Yeah, Mary Janes were not popular, and yet they made a ton of them. Number six, Milk Duds. Milk Duds are not as bad as Mary Janes. But Milk Duds are little chunks of caramel dipped in chocolate. 
and I didn't mind the chocolate and I didn't mind the caramel. It's just, I just never got into Milk Duds. I just didn't like them. They were okay. If I had to eat them, I'd eat them. But Milk Duds were a good trading tool. You could trade away the Milk Duds, get something better. Number five, Good and Plenty. Who remembers Good and Plenty? Once upon a time there was an engineer. Choo Choo Charlie was his name we hear. Remember that theme song? He was the mascot for Good and Plenty, which was candy-coated licorice. I hate licorice. And Good and Plenty didn't do anything to improve the taste of licorice. Candy-coating crap still makes it crap, in my opinion. Which brings us to number four, anything else licorice. If it was licorice, it was not edible by me. I've tried. I can't stomach licorice. Which is funny because Mrs. Gamer Dude loves licorice. Me? Mm, no. No, no, no. Keep your licorice to yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. Number three, the Circus Peanut. It was a stale marshmallow, orange colored, and shaped like a peanut. Some people love those Circus Peanuts. I do not understand that love. Do not understand it. I might as well bite into a piece of the styrofoam stuffing you get in a package from Amazon. No, thank you. Number two, this is a personal number two because I know it's a lot of people's number one, candy corn. When I was a kid, they would literally just grab a handful of candy corn, not in a bag, not in a package, not in anything but their hand. They would have a bowl of candy corn inside the door of their house, grab a handful and throw it in your bag. And I wanted to grab it out and throw it back at them, but I never did. I was very polite as a child. But oh my God, no. Candy corn, it's like eating wax to me. And they say it's made with honey. Okay, it's honey-flavored wax. I'm not a fan of candy corn. Number one, this is my personal number one. And I know not everybody shares this as a number one horrible candy. In fact, Mrs. Gamer Dude loves these probably even more than licorice. Twizzlers. Oh, I can't eat Twizzlers. There's something about the smell. There's something about the texture. There's something about the ropiness. I can't do Twizzlers. Oh my God, no. Twizzlers is just red licorice as far as I'm concerned. Keep your Twizzlers away from me. So we got the bad stuff out of the way. And that's how I would sort my Halloween candy too. I would get the bad stuff out of the way. Okay, that side, we're not touching that stuff. Get rid of that, trade it, throw it away, something. We would then separate the good stuff. The stuff we wanted to eat. The stuff we lived for. So here's my top 10 good candies, the best stuff. This is what you go trick-or-treating for. This is what Halloween is all about, getting this stuff. Now, number 10 is actually a candy that I discovered when I was raising my own kids because I don't remember these when I was a kid. I wish they existed when I was a kid. I only discovered them when I started collecting Halloween candy with my kids. And boy, am I glad I discovered Swedish Fish. Oh, I love Swedish fish. Now, some people may say, well, what's the difference between Swedish fish and Twizzlers? And I say, have you no taste? Swedish fish are delicious. They have the right gummy texture. They have the right cherry slash strawberry slash fake fruit flavor. Oh, Swedish fish are so good. And they're number 10 on the best candy list. Number nine, give me a traditional Hershey bar anytime. There's something about that classic brown wrapper milk chocolate bar. When you need a hit of chocolate, just give me a Hershey bar and I'm good. Hershey bars are so good. Number eight, gotta go with the regular M&Ms. What's deadly to me these days is those mini fun packs of M&Ms because I can eat like 10 of them, pretending like, well, it's only a small pack. 10 small packs later, 
Okay, I've eaten 9 million calories worth of M&Ms, but they're so good. Little chocolate in the middle, little candy coating. How can you not like regular M&Ms? Number seven for me on the best candies list, Whoppers. Malted milk balls dipped in chocolate. Here's my weird little thing. I like to dissolve them in my mouth. I just take a couple in my mouth and just let them melt slowly. I love the way that feels. I know that's kind of weird, right? But there's something about the crunch of the malted mixed with the taste of the chocolate. And as it slowly dissolves in your mouth, I know it's disgusting. (laughs) I shouldn't talk about it like that, but it's such a great experience. Whoppers are so good, man. They are so good. Number six on the list. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. It's got to be the Kit Kat bar, right? Kit Kat bars are so good. I like that you can break them in pieces. If you get a full-size Kit Kat bar, you get four pieces and you can break each piece off and nibble it down. It's really good. The little crisp, the little chocolate. I mean, it's almost a perfect combination. Kit Kat bars are delicious. Number five, we're going back to Hershey's. Mr. Good Bar. Oh, I loved Mr. Good Bars. They were much more rare when I was a kid. It was almost like finding a unicorn in your Halloween bag if you got a Mr. Good Bar. I was always on the lookout for that yellow wrapper with the red letters on it. Mr. Good Bar. Oh, because Mr. Good Bar is a Hershey bar with peanuts in it. I loved peanuts and I loved chocolate. And you combine the two of them? Oh, Mr. Good Bars were delicious. They were one of my favorites, but... If push came to shove between Mr. Good Bar and number four on the list, number four on the list would win. Number four, Nestle Crunch Bar. Now, Nestle Crunch Bars were chocolate with crunchies in them. And it took me years to figure out that the crunchies were really nothing more than Rice Krispies. But boy, oh boy, did I love those Nestle Crunch Bars. There was something about the crispiness, something about the pop. You bit into a Nestle Crunch Bar, and it was a little slice of heaven for me. And as much as I loved a Mr. Good Bar, if it was trade for a Nestle Crunch Bar, Nestle Crunch Bar won every time. Number three on the list is really a 3A and a 3B because... Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Mounds Bars and Almond Joy Bars were so good if you're a coconut fan, and I am. When I discovered the Mounds Bar, milk chocolate wrapped around coconut whatever that is in the middle. Oh my god, I was in my glory. The only thing that compares to it is the Almond Joy, which is dark chocolate wrapped around whatever that coconut stuff is in the middle, and an almond on the top of it. Well, one almond in the fun size bar. But if you were able to get the full size bar, you'd have four almonds. The full size bar was actually two chunks of Almond Joy bars, and you'd have two almonds in each. Yeah, I paid a lot of attention to candy. I know these details. So you had the two pieces of the Almond Joy bar, which would be four bites. You'd bite the first almond and enjoy that, and then finish the first piece. And then you'd bite the second piece and get the third almond, and then you'd have the fourth piece. Yes, there was a method to my madness. Candy was very important. I had to make it work right. The almond to chocolate to coconut ratio was important, and you had to honor that. So I did. But yeah, the Almond Joys and the Mounds bars, so good. And those were like gold in my Halloween bag. Number two on my list of best candies, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Peanut butter and chocolate together? I mean, is there anything better? Now, in recent years, they make Reese's Peanut Butter everything. Reese's Peanut Butter Ice Cream. Reese's Peanut Butter Easter Eggs. Reese's Peanut Butter Christmas Trees. Reese's Peanut Butter Peanut Butter. You can buy it in a jar in certain stores without the chocolate, unfortunately. But that combination of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, it was like heaven and a little piece of candy. 
Oh my goodness, when I discovered the deliciousness of a Reese's peanut butter cup, I thought I'd found Shangri-La. Oh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I still love them so. Oh my. The only reason they're not number one on the list is because number one on the list is peanut M&M's. And if you ask me tomorrow, I might flip-flop them. I might put Reese's up top and switch peanut M&M's to number two. But peanut M&M's are my downfall. If you happen to have a bowl of peanut M&M's on your counter and I visit your house, you will not have a bowl of peanut M&M's when I leave. They'll be gone. Unless you handcuff me, put my hands behind my back, and put a piece of duct tape across my mouth so I can't just dive face first into the bowl. Because I love those peanut M&M's. I don't know why I love them so much, but it's just an addiction. That's the only way I can explain it. I can't even buy them for Halloween anymore. When we buy Halloween candy to give out, I make sure there's no peanut M&M's anywhere in the bag because the kids won't get them. I'll just pull them all out and keep them in a drawer for myself. I love those peanut M&M's. Those kids can't have them. Those are mine. And so when I was a kid, if I got peanut M&M's, those were the candies that were hidden someplace where no one could find them. And I never lost track of a single pack of peanut M&M's. I may have lost other candies in my stashes in my room when I was growing up. I never lost a peanut M&M. They always found their way to my stomach. While I love Reese's peanut butter cups, if push comes to shove, I think I'm going to have to go with the peanut M&M's. That's my number one Halloween candy right there. So there you have it. We've commemorated 200 episodes with the best and worst of Halloween candy. What more can you ask for in an episode of Storytime? Well, I'm sure we'll find something for next week. Believe me, I've still got plenty of stories in me. So starting with episode 201, we'll continue the journey into the dark corners of my mind. And as always, you are more than welcome to join me on that journey, and I'm glad that you do. Anyway... That'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of 200 episodes of Storytime. And thank you for all your support over all the years we've been doing this. You guys are the best, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.